0: Hello CFL fans and welcome to the second ever broadcast of the CFL's only independent podcast known as No Fair Catch. My name is Jack and today we're going to be going through uh, Free Agency 2.0, talking about the last moves that were made since uh, last episode uh, that premiered last Wednesday. Uh, And we're also going to be talking about a bit of the changing of the guard that we're seeing um, amongst uh, non-import wide receivers in the Canadian Football League today. But first, some housekeeping things. First of all, I'm very excited to announce that I fixed the tex- technical difficulties that existed in the episode last week. Um, last week we were getting left-side audio only. Today the audio is a little bit heavier on the left side, but I'm working out the kinks. Um, but uh, fortunately we do have uh, both sides audio today. And um, also I've worked out the way that I'm uploading my... my um, my podcasts. I'm uh, not yet on the iTunes Store. However, that will come shortly. Uh, I promise that'll be very exciting. It'll be a lot easier to sync uh, everything just to your iTunes account. Get get start getting these podcasts on your on your iPhones, your uh, and all your fancy uh, equipment that you have nowadays. Um, and if you don't, then uh, you should, because you know, automatically you become cooler and more creative if you own Apple products. Uh, for some reason, but anyways, um, and also, oh, another big exciting announcement is I have my first guest uh, co-host lined up uh, and confirmed to participate on the show. I will not reveal who the person is today. That is going to be a top secret. Uh, I know thousands of you are out there begging to, uh, to for me to announce this uh, big exciting thing over my podcast or over Twitter, uh, but I will not be announcing it today. Um, but they have uh, verbally confirmed, and though I will say... A verbal confirmation is not apparently that valuable in the Canadian Football League today because as we found out last week, last week of the podcast, I was talking all about how Joe Mack had done a great job Um, of bringing Greg Carr back, uh, because otherwise, if he hadn't brought Greg Carr back, he would have done a brutal job in free agency and uh, really, uh, really lost the faith of the Winnipeg fans. And as it turns out, shortly after that podcast got posted, Greg Carr signed with the Edmonton Eskimos. And that's something that I just want to talk about a little bit today. Um, That's right. uh, Eric Tillman of the Edmonton Eskimos, general manager, uh, swooped in at the last moment. And uh, used some of his uh, Brendan Lebatt money that he never got to spend, and brought in Greg Carr. I think this is a great signing for Edmonton. Uh, between the uh, six foot four um, Darius Bowman and uh, the six foot six Greg Carr, they're gonna have one heck of a receiving core to try and take care of uh, for, for opposing defenses to look after. Um, I don't know how they're going to manage that size. It'll be very interesting to see. And, uh, you know, Edmonton doesn't have anybody who can throw, but apparently they have lots of people who can catch now. Uh, So they should be an exciting offense to watch if they can ever get somebody to just throw the ball up to these guys. Um, And also, I mean, I I don't want to rag on Joe Mack anymore today because, quite frankly, I'm confused at whatever he does. And, uh, you know, there's no point in me going into any further detail about you know, my complaints about his work this offseason, um, my only question would be, you know, if uh, you know Eric Tillman went, li- went public and stated that the only uh, incentive that he gra- gave Greg Carr to come to Edmondson rather than Winnipeg was he-, he paid him an extra, I think it was he said it was $13,000 over two years. So I don't know why Joe Mack wouldn't, you know, shell out 6500 bucks that he has clearly sitting around, you know, given the amount of cap room that the Bombers must have at this point. But apparently Joe Mack was not willing to do that, shell out that extra little money to keep Greg Carr in town. It's so always with Edmonton, whatever. Moving on. Uh, enough about that. Um, the big news this week was obviously that Andy Fentuz finally signed. Uh, he signed in Hamilton. Uh, congrats to Rashmdani for breaking the news. Uh, Rashmadani also just recently produced figures over Twitter um, about the money that Fentuz is going to be making. Uh, he's going to be making a base salary of 185000 with the uh, uh, incentives possibly taking up to the 195 dollars mark, uh, which is excellent money. It's very similar to what Brendan Labatt is getting in Saskatchewan. So it would appear that you know forever now the uh, the, the the established uh, established standard uh, for ridiculously good young Canadians is that they're going to be making just about two hundred thousand um, dollars. I don't expect that number to ever really go up. Uh, you know the only way that would happen is if the salary cap suddenly uh, increased, and I don't think we'll see that for another several years. Uh, uh, with hopefully the CFL continuing to do to do much better. Um, and, you know, I mentioned last week, like, maybe we'll see a big salary cap increase in the CFL. And the truth is, you know, I think that's something that's fun to discuss, but I don't think we'll ever see it happen because simply imports are willing to sign in the C- CFL for, you know, $45,000 to start off. And it's been proven that good imports uh, will come up here with the, uh, the intention of, you know, either going to the NFL uh, a la Solomon Alamimian, a la Emmanuel Arsenal, all these guys who do that every single year. Uh, or they either you know do the great car thing they sign for forty five thousand dollars and then you know move on to the second deal and that's worth you know one hundred and thirty which is something I think that's what he's making in Edmonton, uh, roughly and I simply don't think that the uh, the salaries are going to be increasing anytime soon uh, and I and therefore if, this, if the salary cap is not going to be increasing then I don't see any young uh, Canadians earning more than two hundred thousand dollars a year simply because teams can't afford to go any higher than that. But we'll see. I'm going to be doing another podcast uh, within the next month where I'm going to be doing a bit of an editorial on uh, CFL salary management and the way those things are handled. Uh, Dave Naylor and Rash Badani kind of got into a bit of a debate uh, over Twitter this week with uh, Kevin Glenn and a few other CFL players and personalities about why the CFL should uh, announce player salaries. And personally, I'm 100% in agreement with those two guys. I uh, give kudos to them for uh, speaking out about it. Uh, I think absolutely it's important that people in this league who are fans – have access to the books and can see exactly what their teams are doing. Uh, no more, you know. I, the CFL is typical for for you know making backhand deals and having you know uh, you know like this country was founded on a, on an event called the night of long knives. And I feel like the the CFL is in reflection of the, you know the way that the that a confederation worked uh, back in 1867. A bit sometimes backdoor deals are made. There's lots of tampering. And some of that stuff's okay, because it makes it more fun for everybody. But at the same time, I think the more that we can make things open in public, the less of that there could possibly be. Um, In addition addition to fan twos being in Hamilton, and oh, by the way, there will be a future podcast that I want to talk about this mean machine that Baba Bilovich has been working on building in Hamilton, uh, doing his best to recreate um, the uh, the West All Star teams of the uh, of the late first decade of the 21st century with Henry Burris Martel, Mallet and now his his go to weapon of choice Andy Fantuz uh, playing slot back undoubtedly in the starting position. Um, so I will be doing another podcast to address the Hamilton offense and the uh, the main machine that uh, that Obilovich is building. I, I have this m- I have this picture of Bobo Obilovich standing behind or sitting behind this this uh, machine esque you know very complicated. Um, a systematic boiler slash electronic gadget, and just sitting there like a mad scientist with beakers bubbling around him, going wah-ha-ha-ha, as he signs these players, it's it's kind of getting out of control in Southern Ontario. Uh, but aside from Fantuz, uh, he brought in uh, Greg Peach, good signing, and Tim O'Neill. Um, those two guys will give. Uh, Give Edmunds, or sorry, give uh, Hamilton some depth on the offensive line with Tim O'Neill, uh, veteran uh, non-import offensive lineman coming over from Calgary, and Greg Peach will uh, probably be the guy who fills in for uh, uh, the spot that Justin Hickman left when he left for the NFL. Um, Montreal was the other team that had some explosion this week. You know, when I talked about them last week, I had some speculation of a couple people they were going to be bringing in, but they hadn't actually officially signed anybody yet. Um, They ended up bringing in Aaron Hunt, which is a great deal uh, for them. Uh, Montreal's huge changeover in their defensive line this year, releasing veterans Anwar Stewart and Eric Wilson, who have been on the uh, the Montreal defensive line since Stonehenge was built. And uh, Jeff Robertshaw and Jermaine McElveen are not going to be getting new deals from them. They're still free agents looking for work. Uh, So, you know, with this big changeover, it was key for Montreal to bring in a good, uh, especially interior defensive lineman. Uh, People have been talking about how Montreal will be moving to a 3-4 defense this year. Uh, For those of you who don't know, that simply means instead of lining up traditionally with four down linemen and three linebackers, Montreal will be going to a system with three down linemen and four linebackers. This has been a very successful system in the NFL with such defenses as uh, Green Bay, for instance, with uh, Clay Matthews. And all the crazy guys that got back there, AJ Hawk, and all those great linebackers they have. And this is something that I think the more CFL teams should do personally, because there are so many players uh, in the CFL who play linebacker. Uh, you think Chip Cox in Montreal, uh, Clint Kent in Winnipeg, uh, or uh, Ted Cornegay, like he was doing uh, a long time with Saskatchewan and then later BC. Uh, there are lots of guys who are who are really defensive backs who played who play linebacker. They're fully capable of covering even fast wide receivers. Uh, but they play inside because they're able to cover the run as well. You know, I think it'd be a great dominant defense in Montreal, potentially, if they're able to get, you know, a great guy. Well, they did get a great guy like Aaron Hunt in the middle and then get some of those really speedy uh, linebackers running around like crazy. And they did add two linebackers as well. Rod Davis coming over from Edmonton. That's great signing for them. And Mark Rosdelli also coming over from Edmonton. Uh, Mark Rustelli, we'll see if his knee is good. He was pretty banged up at the end of last year uh, after a stint uh, with I believe it was the Miami Dolphins in the NFL. I could be wrong on that. Didn't look it up. But after a stint in the NFL, he came back and never really was the same. So we'll see if his knee's any better. If I had any criticism about Montreal's free agent signings, that they're simply not getting any younger. Aaron Hunt, I believe, is 32. I'm not sure how old, Mark, or not sure how old Rod Davis is, but I believe he's in his very late 20s, 28, 29 um, you know they they did get younger I guess with Anmar Stewart leaving I think he's 36 and Eric Wilson who's also in his mid 30s uh, leaving but um, you know uh, it's always the priority of teams especially like Montreal when they have such such old players in some key positions you know you have um, you know as as great as he is you have Jamel Richardson who's in his his early 30s and Anthony Calvillo who's as old as dust and. Um, so, you know, you always want to be looking for fresh blood, uh, getting new players in there. And that's actually my criticism of the next team I'm going to bring up, BC, the BC Lions. You know, last year I talked all about how they had the best, or in my last podcast I talked about how they had the best defense in the CFL last year with their wonderful defensive backs, all the guys that they have there. And what did they do? They went out and added Lynn J. Schell and Byron Parker. The day after my last podcast, they brought in Byron Parker. And they brought in Lynn J. Schell. I said this was a great signing because Lynn J. Schell is great. However, they have this core of defensive backs in BC. I'm thinking Dante Marsh, Ryan Phillips, et cetera, et cetera etc., of guys who are a little bit older, and, uh, you know, it's great that these guys are together and playing so well, but it's also dangerous to keep a group of guys like this together for too long, because they are in their 30s, and that could be killer for defensive backs who start to lose their speed, unable to keep up with the burners in this league, and they went out and they signed Byron Parker. Now, Byron Parker is 29-29. However, as Indiana Jones once said, it is not the age, it is the mileage, and Byron Parker has a lot of mileage on him. Uh, he played five different stints, I believe. Maybe No, sorry. He played four different stints in Toronto. Uh, him and I, I always call him and uh, Toronto the Ross and Rachel, the CFL, because no matter what happens, you know they're going to get back together some way, one way or another, whatever. Uh, But he is in B.C. for now, um, having been, I think, kind of shoved aside uh, by uh, Jim Barker and uh, Scott Milanovich, who probably didn't want that personality there to deal with in his first year of coaching. Uh, but with that said, you know, BC, they do have some great defensive backs. It's undeniable that they have talent up the wazoo there. But I get concerned about the personalities that are there, lots of egos, and the age of those players. Um, to Saskatchewan, I want to apologize. Uh, Paul Waldo, I forgot to mention Paul Waldo. He was a forgotten man in my podcast the same way that he was a forgotten man in Montreal last season. Uh, he's a good uh, depth signing for them. He's a guy who can run around on special teams and I uh, heard people, I f- believe I forgot to mention him, uh, signing at Saskatchewan, overshadowed, of course, by the Labatt and Picard signings. And uh, lastly, uh, Jarius Jackson, I believe it was yesterday, uh, signed in Toronto. This is a great signing for them. I always thought that Jarius Jackson was going to end up in Toronto uh, after the departure of Kerry Joseph in 2009. Um, instead of uh, giving Jarius Jackson a shot, uh, Toronto instead chose to sign the uh, the great Cleo Lemon um, who will forever live on in the folklore of Canadian Football League discussion uh, however he's a great signing for them and hey Argo fans I want to give you a big slap on the back congratulations here you know last season you were completely screwed over by having no one who could throw the ball um, you know I, I want to do a bit of a uh, discussion in a in a later date or on a later date about the uh, um, the uh, the whole Ricky Ray Steven Giles thing Um but, the truth is, I don't believe Stephen Giles is a uh, is a good starting quarterback in this league. I believe he's a competent backup the same way that I believe Kevin Glenn uh, has really, uh finally fit into the role now that he should have been fitting in all along in uh in wherever he was. I don't believe he was ever, you know, had the uh had the ten or not the tenacity, but I don't believe he had the intangibles that somebody really needs to be a starting quarterback in the C F L. He did experience some success. He did lead Winnipeg to the Great Cup in two thousand seven. Not that he got to play in that Grey Cup game due to their broken arm. But I mean, I believe he's a competent backup. He's not quite good enough to be a starter because if he was a starter, he would be a reasonably poor starter, and that's not what any team is looking for. Um, And I think Jarius Jackson, to a degree, is the same way, but he's a great, competent backup. And, uh, you know, Toronto, you've gone from a season of, you know, a couple of really lousy receivers and Dalton Bell and whoever else they had there and, uh, and, and, you know, a competent backup in Steven Giles to a great starter in Ricky Ray and a very competent backup in Jarius Giles and another person, Adam Tafferales, who just landed there after a stint in Hamilton. I, you know, always actually liked Adam Tafferales in his spot duty. I don't think that he's going to be the next great CFL quarterback. However, he's an extremely competent third-string quarterback. So congratulations, Toronto. I don't think there's a single turnover in any spot or in any individual position in the league on any team as there has been improvement and turnover with the toronto argonauts quarterbacks this year great job toronto argo fans you finally have something to cheer about so if there's one main theme that we can look at as far as the 2012 cfl free agency pool we'd have to look at non-import players going home as being the main theme we saw three of the biggest free agent prizes that were set to hit the open market andy fan twos Brendan Labatt and Simeon Roche all end up signing with their hometown teams, so to speak. Uh, with Labatt returning to Saskatchewan, where he's originally from, Weyburn, uh, Simeon Roche returning to, uh, to Edmonton, where he's originally from. And uh, we also saw Andy Fantu sign in Hamilton. Uh, he's not originally from Hamilton, but he's from the uh, the Southern Ontario area, uh, definitely with Hamilton being uh, the closest destination for uh, for, our, for his original hometown. Uh, so CFL, <laughs> CFL GMs, uh, you may want to, uh, in the future, uh, when you're going to be drafting uh, uh, players from the CFL draft, you may want to make a point of knowing where they're originally from. Because apparently, if they're not from your original city and they're from another CFL city, they're just going to want to sign there, the First time that they get an opportunity to hit the free agent market. After all, uh, we saw is given an, uh, an excellent offer by the Riders. He actually signed with the Hi-Cats for slightly less money than he was offered. Brendan Labatt was offered, I believe it was 170000 uh, to sign with the Bombers and Uh, Was offered, you know, kind of an incentive-laden deal uh, with all-star packages and all that good stuff. Uh, And he turned it down. And and Hamilton, I I don't think they were even able to negotiate with Simeon Roche. He kind of decided, uh, I I think even before the season ended, that he was going to be returning to Edmonton uh, to join Eric Tillman and the Eskimos. so, you know, it sounds kind of silly to say it, but honestly, it seems like our Canadian players are going to want to return home. So, you know, the best CFL uh, rookies that are out there, uh, it's not about finding them anymore. It's about finding the best ones from New <laughs> York City. You know, you got to stick around to your local universities and all that because uh, you don't want to, uh, to put in the years and uh, drafting a player and, you know, training them up and getting them to develop and, and you know, working them into the starter's role. And as soon as they hit uh, really star status, uh, just leaving for their home, city uh, that'll be an interesting to thing to uh, interesting thing to watch over the next few years in the CFL but just as important as talking about the players who did sign in free agency, it's also very important to talk about the players who have not signed, who are suddenly looking as though they might not have a career as of next year in the Canadian Football League. Now, I want to talk about uh, predominantly the uh, the group of non-import wide receivers who are still available. Yesterday we saw Matt Carter sign with the Edmonton Eskimos, but I mean, he's more of a depth signing uh, coming over from Hamilton. There they already have uh, Andrew Nowacki, uh, who's been a starter there for a while. Uh, he's, he's getting a bit older, and uh, uh, they they definitely want Nate Kuhorn uh, their their 2011 CFL draft pick to, uh, to kind of be the main uh, non-import wide receiver there eventually. Uh, but that seems kind of scrambling after the Chris Bauman crisis of 2011. Um, so Matt Carter has been signed uh, as a non-import uh, free agent. Uh, but we also have seen um, Aaron Hargraves, uh, formerly of the Bombers, Danny Darevo, formerly of the Montreal Alouettes, R.J. Franklin, formerly of the Calgary Stampeders, uh, Jason Claremont, formerly of the uh, Saskatchewan Roughriders, Riders, and uh, Kamal Peterson. Now, he's been out of football for a little while, and I believe he's uh, beginning his coaching career uh, starting with a uh, kind of a youth international tournament that's uh taking place in texas this year uh but um you know, Kamau Peterson was a member of the BC Lions at the beginning of the 2011 season, and uh, it looks like none of these players will get work again. Uh, and, uh, you know, there are some some younger guys. You know, R.J. Franklin, I think, would probably be the first guy off this list of free agents to go uh, and find a new team, as he is only 27 years old. He's still a young guy. But with that said, none of them may find any work ever again. And uh, while it's sad, I don't mean to, uh, to rag on these players. Uh, that's not at all my intention by saying this. But one thing that I do want to say is a lot of these guys... You you know, we're uh, we're given jobs. You know, going back maybe four or five years, uh, simply because they were Canadian. You know, I I want to talk about a you know like Aaron Hargraves as an example. Aaron Hargraves is still a young guy. He's a big body. I believe he's six foot four, six foot five, somewhere around there. But you know, he was starting for the injured Keto Pobla in Winnipeg uh, virtually all last season. I think he started 16 games, and uh, he had a career high uh, for receiving yards. And I don't think he even cracked the 300 mark. Like he he was you know struggling to uh, to keep up with much. Uh, really, the only person on this. List uh, who that I've just mentioned who did anything this past season um, or these past couple seasons was R.J. Franklin, who had uh, just over 500 yards in 2010, um, and had uh, had a previously uh, uh, strong season in Winnipeg. Uh, I think it was in the 2008 season where he had six uh, just over 600 yards, um, but. Uh, been a while to drag for these players uh, who you know haven't performed uh, to a very high level as uh, Canadian wide receivers I want to talk about uh, this exciting new development the changing of the guard uh, that's taking place in the CFL with non import wide receivers and the reason why these young players can't find work despite the fact that many of them uh, would still have many years of, uh, of at least similar put out or similar output to what they uh, have been able to attain up to this day uh, and that is uh, the fact that we are seeing lots and lots of young Canadian wide receivers can ...coming up and doing well in the Canadian Football League. This is very exciting. If you go back a few years, uh, let's say, you know, 10, 15 years, uh, over the course of uh, of, uh, of that point to now, we have seen different uh, Canadian wide receivers or slot backs have success in the CFL. I'm thinking of guys like Mike Morielli uh, obviously future Hall of Famer Ben Cahoon, um, you know, Jason Claremont, uh, not so much with the Riders over the past three years, but he had some amazing seasons in BC. And, uh, you know, Kamal Peterson had one really great year... Uh, uh, with the uh, the Edmonton Eskimos, where he won the most outstanding Canadian award in 2008. Um but you know really if you were on a team where you had a, a blue chip canadian wide receiver that was considered a rarity and that was considered a luxury and you held on to that player uh n- as strong as you could you put them in a scissor hole to keep them from leaving that city uh, and you shelled out all the money in the in your bank uh, to keep them there because they were so rare and so valuable and nowadays uh thankfully for us as uh, cfl fans that is no longer the case uh if we look at the list of uh canadian wide receivers now i think uh, a lot of of this started this movement kind of happened uh when the riders uh developed the canadian air force of 2009 uh with uh rob Bag, chris getzlaff jason claremont and Andy fan all suiting up uh, with uh west being the fifth wide receiver around with that that group but the canadian air force those four canadian receivers um who had uh who had a lot of success i believe that was the year that Andy fan won the most outstanding canadian award and uh led the league in uh in receiving uh with over a thousand i think it was 1300 yards and uh and since then, we've seen a lot of guys come up. We just saw Sean Gore this year break the 800-yard mark in BC. Corey Watson uh, almost reached the 800-yard mark in Winnipeg. Um, Dave Stella. Now he's not one of the younger guys that I'm going to be talking about, but he did have a great season in Hamilton, uh, almost hitting a thousand yards. Uh, Johnny Forzani in uh, in Calgary. Andre Dury in Toronto. Uh, Keem Foster in B.C., and even Spencer Watt in uh, in Toronto. Um, all these guys had had successful seasons, and the most impressive thing is, aside from Jury, who's uh, turning 31 this year, and Dave Stala, who I believe is turning 32 this year, uh, maybe 33, um, they are all in just their second year of playing. These are guys who are developing, who are getting real receptions and real receiving yards who defenses have to worry about, because again, I don't want to sound like a jerk, but the truth is there weren't any defenses last year panicking when they were going to play Hamilton because Matt Carter was going to be opposing them. Let's just say that. uh, Same thing goes for a lot of the guys that I previously mentioned. Uh, You know, when Danny Dareville could get on the field, you know, there there weren't many defenses who were panicking, you know what I mean? So, uh, however, aside from that, there are guys who people have to prepare for now with Sean Gore, Corey Watson, Johnny Forzani, and this big group of sophomore receivers who are um, who are definitely on the way to becoming 1,000-yard receivers and uh, huge candidates for most outstanding Canadian, uh, especially given the fact that the 2011 winner of that award, Jerome Messam, uh, is no longer in the CFL signing with the Miami Dolphins this offseason. Uh, a lot of people have criticized that deal, saying that he's just going to be training camp fodder, and that may be the case, but uh, regardless of whether or not he is training camp fodder, he'll be back in the CFL uh, probably one day and make a big boatload of money to play for somebody because he is a truly outstanding uh, Canadian running back. But aside from that, I also want to talk about the uh, the big group of Canadian rookies that we had this past season. Uh, of, you know, of, of this pool, really nobody did anything all season. Um, the only person who got a starting role was Quito Pobla in Winnipeg, who was the first selection of the supplemental draft in 2011. And uh, he was really hurt the whole season. He played, uh, he appeared in, I think it was two games, like the two that Aaron Hargrave didn't appear in. And uh, he uh, was really invisible in one, and he had, I think, something like eight catches in the other. Like he was very popular. Uh, target for that day, but he got re-injured, uh, so hopefully this isn't a case of a guy uh, who can't stay healthy. Uh, hopefully, he, because he is Canadian, he can have a lot of success in this league. He looks like a freak of nature when he plays. He's a big body. He's got good hands, it seems. Uh, so hopefully he will be able to produce this upcoming season. And then there's the other four wide receivers who were taken in the first round of the 2011 CFL Draft. Those being Anthony Parker, Mike, Marco Arinuzzi, Nathan Kuhorn, and Jade Tien. And of these, I like the, the deal that I like the most is Anthony Parker why? Because he's from Calgary, he went to Calgary University, and now he's playing for the Calgary Stampede. So he's not going to pull a Roche, Fantuz, or Labatt like I was talking about earlier. He's going to be wanting to stay in Calgary, hopefully for a long, successful career. So aside from... Uh, Aside from all the jokes I've been making, I think it is a sincerely uh, a great thing for the CFL that we're seeing all these non-import wide receivers come up and uh, prove that they, uh, these sophomores, anyways, who have proven that they can be uh, successful receivers in this league, and uh, all these rookies who are going to be coming into their sophomore years and hopefully getting starting roles. You know, with the uh, with the uh, absence of R.J. Franklin in Calgary, maybe that's a that's a an open spot for Anthony Parker to take. Uh, you know, with, with uh, Aaron Hargraves not looking like he's going to be back in Winnipeg. That maybe that's an opening for Jada Chen, And we still have to wait and see from Jordan Sisko in Saskatchewan. He's been a rider. Uh, he was a rider for this whole past season. I uh, spent the whole uh, previous season, I believe it was, with the Indianapolis Colts. Never caught on there. Uh, but he's been waiting to get on the field. Uh, he's had some injury problems. So hopefully he'll, uh, he'll get into a game eventually and have some success. But the exciting thing for CFL fans is that I believe we're out of the dark ages of CFL wide receivers simply being on the field because they are Canadian uh, who are unable to contribute uh, really in any serious way. Uh, instead, we are being uh, uh, welcomed into a new era, so to speak, of uh, Canadian wide receivers who uh, do have star status, uh, not just because they're Canadian, but also because they are great receivers. Um, this is a great group of young guys. Uh, I haven't really looked at the uh, the 2012 uh, CFL draft uh, board. I, I, I don't believe there are a huge number of wide receivers who are expected to do great things on it, but there are always surprises. After all, a lot of the, uh, the stars uh, fr- that come out of the cfl draft aren't drafted it's super high um but uh, aside from that i want to uh, thank you so much for listening to this podcast uh, i'm always after exci- after doing a podcast excited about the future of the cfl and the uh, the amazing things that we're seeing uh in this league that is prospering and growing each and every single year it is truly great times for an even better league. And I want to say thank you so much for tuning into today's podcast. If you want to contact me, my Twitter handle is at JackNoFairCatch. And if you'd like to send me an email, you know, send something a little more private or uh, or send any questions my way, um, I'm always looking for, uh, for material to talk about and, uh, and connect with uh, my listeners. Uh, so if you have any questions uh, that you'd like me to ask or address on my podcast, uh, please direct them to my email address, NoFairCatch at gmail.com thank you so much. My name is Jack. This is No Fair Catch, and I will see you next time.